the whole vibe. Gotta keep it wavy, keep it chill, old tight. Tell me how you feel, keep it real, no lie. Light another herb, let it burn through the sky. Right, right. Sipping on sangria, playing that snow allegra. Hoping moments like this go on forever. Catch me lounging, pajamas in a sweater. Especially when weather's looking sloppy. I turn into a homebody, cause it's the weekend. I don't feel like partying, I feel like sleeping. I don't work tomorrow, think I might just sleep until about noonish. I've been working hard, think I deserve to do this like once in a while. Cause this isn't my usual style. My mind is moving past the limit every minute to mouth. I get Appreciate the time when I can sit on the couch Turn the music up and just zone out, huh? Cause it's a whole vibe Gotta keep it wavy, keep it chill, oh tide Tell me how you feel, keep it real, no lie Light another herb, let it burn through the sky Right, it's a whole vibe Gotta keep it wavy, keep it chill, oh tide Tell me how you feel, keep it real, no lie Light another herb, let it burn through the sky Get in this mood Only turn it back on When I'm ordering food And when my pizza gets delivered Going back to disconnected If you call me and I answer I'll hang up and blame reception Got a question or a message I encourage you to text it I'll see it when I see it I'll hit you back soon But now I stay in tune With this lazy afternoon Like the roots in 94 Asking do you want more Yeah, I want less Of the drama and stress And interactions with people Seeking my patience to test You ain't cutting me a check So I ain't giving you time To sacrifice my peace of mind Cause it's a whole vibe Gotta keep it wavy Keep it chill, low tide Tell me how you feel Keep it real, no lie Light another herb Let it burn through the sky Right It's a whole vibe Gotta keep it wavy Keep it chill, low tide Tell me how you feel Keep it real, no lie Light another herb Let it burn through the sky Xavier Keys on the vocals on this. Okay. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Gotta get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I've been focused, I'm not hungry. Yo, I'm starving, dude. Grind mode with my team, we making these power moves. Honestly, they couldn't stop me if they wanted to. Gotta get up, go out and get it, and that's what I'm gonna do. I've been focused, I'm not hungry. You're gonna starve me, dude. In grind mode with my team, we making these power moves. Cause I ain't got no time to be wasting with all this music I'm making. Man, I'm tired of being impatient, so I keep making these moves here with my crew. Vow to myself to always stay true, so I don't care what nobody else do. I know why. 
Like an erection, bumps in the road, but nah, I ain't stressing. I don't work out, but homie, I'm flexing. Every time I get on the beat and I bless it. Rise and shine, and I never let another come and stop my grind. Cause I grind all night at the gig, no lie. Then it's back in the booth for some overtime. Come on. Nope. Mm-mm. Shout out to Miss Alma Ramos. Shout out to Miss B. Uh-huh. I said, uh, hey, hey, hey. My mom's told me to get them, so I don't care what y'all say. I just keep grinding. Yeah, I stay working, cause it's, you know I'm, I said, uh, that's right. In the lab with a pen and a pad, I, I, let's ride. Make it look so easy, don't let me make y'all mad. One thing I know, one thing is certain. I can't stop, won't stop, cause me and my team stay working. One thing I know, one thing is certain. Can't stop, won't stop, on the grind, get in mind, I'm working. No sleep, spit heat, killing these tracks, and I'm not gonna stop till I'm up on top where I'm supposed to be. Everywhere I go, I scream as Pete. We're more than a crew, we a family. Working, trying to get a couple Grammys, G, have them sitting on top of the mantelpiece. Thank God. Go hard, they just mad cause I'm on my job But where I'm from is to the ground to starve I'm starving, I just can't do it Not having it, unthinkable So I turn off coffee And tune in to Good Morning Aurora News, weather, and really cool interviews Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.01 a.m. and you are listening to and watching Good Morning, Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. It is Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. How are you guys all doing this morning? Good to see y'all. Good to see ya. Yes. Let's word up. Oh, it feels... It feels very very good to be here with all of you wonderful and lovely people once again in the morning uh we got a lot going on you heard some live or not live but you heard some great music from two great artists we had love them of savage pen that uh, the savage pen crew or savage pen productions and friend of the show personal friend of the show mr cruz Ocho, shouts out to everybody who is here. Norma Peterson, good morning to you. Grace Cornell, how are you? Good to see you. Greg Ellsbury, good, blessed morning. Aurora, Dan Barrero, the whole squad is here. Okie dokie. So before we get into things this morning, uh, I got something that I want to tell you guys about. Uh saw this in the news and I I'm bringing this up because this is this is what it this is what it's all about actually. Now you guys will know that well some of you who do know me like I'm not a person who's surprised by much. 
you know, it doesn't really take a lot. You know, it doesn't, you know, my ship isn't rattled very much or very often. But what it is, I kind of want to talk about things. Um, so in the news recently, uh, read the story to you guys. An ex-DuPage County judge was charged with misdemeanor assault for allegedly bringing a shotgun out of his house and upsetting his Lombard neighbor. Uh, I will refrain from the judge's name, but this is public information. Uh, but he was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and disorderly conduct, both misdemeanors, according to court records. Uh, previously, O'Shea had been removed from the bench and had his law license suspended due in part to a prior weapons charge. At about 5 p.m. on the 14th of this month, uh, police were called to the gentleman's home in the 500 block of South Lalonde Avenue in Lombard for a report of a man with a gun. Two men told police they were in the front yard of the house next door when the gentleman, uh, the judge, drove by slowly parked in his driveway and came out the house carrying a shotgun. Upon arriving at the house, at least one officer drew his pistol from its holster and two others held rifles. They found the judge in the driveway in his backyard, told him to put his hands up on the ground and arrested and handcuffed him. He led them to a 12-gauge shotgun inside of his back door. Police saw a security video that showed him walk out of his house with the long gun towards his car. Now, we're not done yet. Listen to this. Here's the, here's the next thing about it. He told police that the gun was unloaded. He took it to his car where his Doberman Pinscher was waiting to go to the firing range. When the police asked why he'd bring a dog to the firing range, he said he was going to take the dog for a walk first, then go to the range. He confirmed he had a negative history with his neighbor due to an argument a few weeks prior over an allegation that dogs defecated on his lawn. Remember, this person is a former DuPage County judge, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but anyway, here's where the story gets interesting. He consented to have officers remove firearms from his home. Police sent a clear and present danger form to the Illinois State Police asking him to revoke his FOID card. Now, he was removed from duties after a reckless conduct charge back many years ago uh, for an incident that occurred when he was living in an apartment. He fired a gun inside of his home. It went through the next apartment lodged in a mirror and uh, his bond was set in that instance for $5,000. What's 10% of $5,000, ladies and gentlemen? Any of you guys know? I'll just tell you it's 500 bucks. Now, this is the kind of thing that makes people cynical. The word of the day is cynical, ladies and gentlemen. Monica, would you put that in the chat for our great listeners? This is the kind of thing that makes people cynical about proclamations of fairness and equality. Can you imagine what the story and the headline would be if this individual's name was ah, Ronaldo Gutierrez or Demarcus Washington? It's strange that a judge could repeatedly have violations and still serve. The time is now 8.06 a.m. and you're listening to Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily podcast. And we have a special guest on the show today. We have candidate for Senate. Let me see if I get this right. We got notes. Uh, candidate for the 43rd District Senate 
Rachel Ventura. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Not a problem. We got coffee for you. Yeah, we, what do I have here? Uh, you, well, let's take a, take a little <laughs> sip of sip. Let's see. Here's some sugar. It might be. Black coffee is great. Yes. <laughs> it all worked out. It all worked out. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, how are you today? I'm doing good. A little good. rushed with traffic, but I'm here. That's you, the important thing. You came all the way from Joliet. Mm -hmm. Thanks for taking some time to uh, sit down and, and chop it up with us on a Tuesday morning. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so, for those who are unfamiliar uh, with you, go ahead and introduce yourself um, and your aims. All right. My name is Rachel Ventura. I'm a Will County board member. Um, but first and foremost, I'm a mom. That's I right. grew up in Joliet and uh, got my, I went to public schools, big fan of public schools. I okay. uh, got my degree in mathematics and I've worked as an actuary um, for insurance companies and then moved out to LA, um, worked out there for life insurance and started to realize that I was just making boatloads of money for the uber rich while screwing over families um, sometimes we didn't always pay out our life insurance policies everybody knows our health care crisis doesn't always pay the care that we need and i started to reevaluate is this what i want to be doing with my life um, ended up going back to school to get a biology degree and i worked as a naturalist restoring our longleaf pine forest out on the georgia coast uh, and trying to save the endangered gopher tortoises <laughs> endangered gopher tortoises uh-huh they're a key uh key species well a lot of other species depend on their burrows and um, the, the homes that they create for other species so uh, we want to make sure that we keep all of our animals alive especially if they are a contributor to our uh, ecology and and ultimately our planet uh, but during that time I was a military spouse and we ended up moving coast to coast and I had my two girls. They're, I have twin, identical twin girls who are in eighth grade now. And uh, in 2016, I moved back here um, after a divorce. And I was surprised at the state of my hometown. Um, when I left there, the gambling boats had come in. We had beautified things, put curbs in, artwork, statues. But when I came back, our streets were tore up, potholes. Literally, there were like trash bags in the trees. And I remember coming home one day complaining to my dad what had happened to Joliet. Um, it, it was so run down. Mm -hmm. And he said, why don't you stop complaining about it and run for office? And Word up. <laughs> my response to that was, um, oh, that. Dad, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Who runs for <laughs> office in the middle of a divorce? Right. <laughs> and uh, I went to a city council meeting. And after that, I said, oh, God, somebody's got to take direction. They had no vision. There was no, uh, there was bickering, just outright disrespect on the council. And I thought, these are our elected leaders here. And two weeks later, I found myself getting petitions signed and uh, ran for office. So... Congratulations. Good, good. Um, now, was that for city council first? Was that the initial? Yeah, my first run was for city council. Um, I had there was fifteen people in that seat. It was an open seat. Okay. And I came in fifth. The top three got the seat. Um, so shortly after that, I ran for county board. Okay. Um, challenged the establishment, and in a contested primary, was easily outspent. 10 to 1, 15 to 1, and was the top vote getter, went on to uh, win that election by 11 percentage points. And um, then I, uh, you know, I believe that our government needs to work for the people. So I don't Doesn't take... it already work for the people? <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> it works for some people. What's the word of the day, y'all? Cynical. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, at the local level, we see a little bit less of that, but there is still a lot of bought and paid for politicians, special interests tend to run local uh, politics and stuff. And um, in 2018, I got on the county board, was, was working there, and we started putting pressure on our congressman uh, for, to pass Medicare for All. Okay. And when I moved home during those uh, years I was going through a divorce, I was without health insurance. And, and that's because Obamacare was just outside of my price range uh, as a single mom. Right. And so it was easier for me to buy life insurance and hope that nothing happened, uh, but protect my kids that way than it was to um, be able to afford the $13,000 it was going to cost for health insurance. And uh, so we started putting pressure on Bill Foster to uh, sign on to Medicare for All. Congressman. Congressman. And he uh, didn't. He still is not necessarily a big fan of uh, Medicare for All, but I think he is being pushed in, um, to expand Medicare. And so I did run for Congress uh, in 2019 during the primaries for the 2020 election. Um, and that was another race that was easily outspent, uh, 20, 30 to 1. And we got 42% of the vote. So you went, you ran, for, so a city councilwoman. I sit on for, the county board now. Okay, ran for Congress. Yes. Quite a leap, swinging for the fences. Right, so uh, <laughs> a lot Which of you got to do in life, right? right? You, I mean, are you in it? Or are you not, right? Yeah, and so for me, you know, planet and people, it has to be put over profits. Uh, you know, I see this continuing, uh, whether it's at the city level, the county level, Congress, or now state, I see a constant push for profits and greed, and not always a push for people, policies that help people, and then ultimately protecting our planet and making sure we have a sustainable planet uh, to live on. I mean, that's why I'm doing this for my kids, so that they have a world that's not only able to grow up in, but they want to grow up in it, right? That people treat each other with compassion and respect, and you know, that starts at our leaders. And so, um, you know, a lot of people wanted me to run for Congress again. Mm -hmm. uh, the maps are still being decided yes, to this day. But while that was happening, our state senator uh, decided to not rerun for his seat. He is running uh, for judge. And so um, I thought, you know what, this is probably a good step to move the state um, more to be more sustainable. At the time, CJA was being discussed at the state house. Um, CJA, Clean Energy Jobs, Jobs Act. Act. Mm -hmm. right. And um, in the, you know, you want to talk about some bought and paid for aspects. Oh, that well, was a oh, huge fight. Right. <laughs> um, hey, the time is 8.13 a.m. That's all you. <laughs> um, well, you know, so we, we saw in the last few years ComEd being accused of bribing our uh, state house of members, General Assembly and Senators. Mike they, Madigan, most notably. Hold on. But before we get to that, who is that senator? John Connor. John Connor. That's currently going to. Run for judge. Judge, okay. Okay. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, sorry. it's yeah. okay. Um, and so I have been outspoken about Madigan long before uh, ComEd was in the picture, uh, partly because I want to make sure that we have a fair government, mm -hmm. uh, one that works for the people, one that listens to the people. And if you are controlling the purse strings of every candidate running that then has to vote for you, you know, that seems a little <laughs> unfair in and of itself. Um, and but so don't candidates vote for the Speaker when their party is in that. The House uh, General Assembly House uh, candidates, when they win, mm -hmm. they vote for the Speaker. 
uh, if they belonged to the Democratic Party, they then had to go to the speaker, who was the chair of the Democratic Party, and ask for endorsements, okay. money, support. So if you were in favor of the party, then they may send sure. you a campaign manager, for example, or maybe campaign funds, or lots of campaign funds. Sure, right, right. So. More campaign funds than anybody else may have gotten at any other, sure. Right, and so, um, you know, I don't subscribe to that belief. You know, right. I, I don't take corporate PAC dollars. Uh, you know, we are grassroots funded only. And the reason for that is so I don't have that conflict of interest, right? right? I can choose to vote for either leadership because I think that person is the best qualified person for the job, or I can vote for policies or projects, not because some developer gave me money, but because I recognize that that project is what is needed for the people in my district. Right. Um, and so we saw you know, some of that happening with ComEd. Um, so energy yeah. has already been a big influence uh, in the state. But it then was so scandalous too, <laughs> right? I love when you read the legalese of it, it's very like politician A. Like, <laughs> it's so nefarious when you, it's like, it's worse, it's worse when you read them, detail it, than anything else. Like, it's, to, it's like, public enemy number one. Yeah, seriously. Public official A <laughs> called politician, they got the transcript of the whole conversation. Mm -hmm. um, well, and anytime we have to get to the point where we have um, wiretaps and stuff like that, I mean, things aren't good. Sure. It takes a, there's a lot of things that are breaking down long before you get wiretaps somewhere. Right, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so uh, with CJA, you know, there was a lot of special interests who were interested in uh, that legislation. One of that is obviously our environmental groups like Sierra Club was a big component of moving that bill forward. But then you have building trades and labor who were interested in making sure there's prevailing wage jobs. Now, I am a supporter of unions, and I think that we do need living wage jobs, and they help set that. Um, but like every other special interest, you have lobbyists in there pulling things apart. Um, so then one of the things was the BIPOC, um, Black and Indigenous People of Color uh, Coalition to make sure that when we create these new living wage jobs that everybody has access to those jobs. And historically, um, not everyone has, right? And right. so this is an opportunity I see for unions to open their doors, have more training, invite you know, a diverse uh, populace into their workforce. Um, but the bill reads, you know, it, it does provide for that, uh, but it also potentially could provide for non-union contract workers who pay the prevailing wage but maybe are not unionized, they don't pay dues and memberships. And we also saw in the state when Ronner was here, the big push to break unions in the state. So, Who's Ronner? Former governor. Correct. So I'm a little... Laxadaisy. No, no, no. It's, no. it's all good. You're no, you're I know what you're talking. We're chopping it up, but uh for our listeners, because we get a lot of acronyms and last name, just want to, you know, continue to paint the picture. Yeah. Like for them. Yeah. I want to take a quick little caveat about that. So I went to public schools in Joliet mm -hmm. and I went to the IE program, which stands for individual education. Mm -hmm. And in that, uh, when we were growing up in school, what they taught was you taught you called your teachers by their first name. Right. You showed them the same respect that they would show you. You because titles do not make a person, right? Your character and your actions and how you treat someone is more important than the title that they hold. Absolutely. So I think that is such a powerful message to give children um, because when I grew up treating everybody with respect, I'm not starstruck because you're a celebrity, you know, I don't bow down because you're a politician, right. um, you know, and that has served me well. It's also got me in trouble, right? So Yeah, I can see it not working. <laughs> 
Joe like, Biden. Yo, what up, Joe? <laughs> What's up, my man? Like, <laughs> so when I think of people, I think of you know their actions and and uh, their role in society, not their title or their position. And so, so I apologize. I've had to apologize multiple times in the past for not giving people the respect of their title because at the end of the day, there is a. a people work hard for their things. Just like if I had a JD or MD at the end of my name, you know, I wouldn't want to just ignore the hard work that was put into something like that. Of so course, yeah. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but... No, no, you weren't. <laughs> we were in, in the context of what we are talking about, Browner, I mean, we've had many people come on to try to detail politics at different levels for us and using that, you know, we we know who we're, uh, yeah, yeah. Who we're talking about and everything. So, um... So basically you had you know those entities at the table and as if those three were not enough to all try to come to some agreement throw in the new plants who were crying poor mouth and please you know feed me you know we've already given um, millions and millions of dollars in subsidies over the years for our nuclear power plants and while I do believe that nuclear is a strong um, energy sector to, to strengthen our grid so that we can transition to renewable energy at the end of the day it doesn't have to be a private company that owns it so if they can't run it and uh, only you know need our tax dollars to subsidize why is the state of Illinois not buying those power plants and running them themselves especially when their CEOs continue to have huge payout for bonuses their dividends went up every single year but yet they sit there and say well if we don't get our Seven hundred million dollars this year in subsidies. We're going to have to shut down, and you know the scare tactics. So all of that went into the siege of Bell. Okay. <laughs> so Good. you know, you start looking at this, you start saying, well, who's really getting the money, right? If the goal is to transition to renewable energy and to make sure we're providing living wage jobs to people while we do that, um, and to incentivize electric cars, right? Then that should be the the fight on the floor, right? right? But instead it became, who's gonna bail out the new plants? Who's gonna make sure that they have jobs so that other people don't have jobs, right? It became this you know, limited pie idea. And so that's one of the things I'd like to, to change, right? I'd like to try to educate and show people policies that um, when the majority of us do well, everybody does well, including the uber rich, right? Yeah. And so if we have money to spend, right, that the lower level, uh, working class, working poor, uh, middle class families, then we spend that money on Main Street. I mean, this is not rocket scientists, other politicians have probably talked about this, but we have to keep really nailing policies that actually do that, not just talk about it, but actually make sure those dollars are going into uh, our families because then they spend the money, it goes to Main Street, then Main Street invests their money and it goes to Wall Street. And that's the trickle up uh, thing that we need to be changing our policy to, not the trickle down where we give our um, tax cuts to the rich right. and then we pray that they create more jobs. No, we need to create the jobs and as that money flows, then you know businesses will get theirs and eventually Wall Street and banks will get theirs. Denise Collins, good morning to you. Kimberly Ball Williams, good morning. Shannon Cameron, good morning. Hello, Rachel Ventura. <laughs> Hello. Anna Sierra, good morning. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Casuto Casey Cuevas. Um, Hi, Casey. <laughs> hey, Casey. It's 8.22 a.m. Um, what are the boundaries of your state house race? So currently, as the maps stand today, okay. um, they are Woodridge, Bolingbrook, Lockport. I'm just going south here. Mm -hmm. uh, Joliet, Manhattan. And then it cuts over uh, the Choi Township, Shorewood, Shanahan, and then goes back south down to Braidwood, where our new plant is at. Okay. 
Uh, now, is braidwood was one of the plants that was in the news recently, or was there another one downstate? Dresden. Grenoble, Dres Dresden. I knew it was a it's a German city. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was a name, Dresden. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I say as the maps are currently today mm -hmm. because they are in court right now. Redistricting. They're, right. So the so the. Uh, General Assembly is redistricting still the congressional maps. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an opinion on those, you have like 10 hours to eight hours. Like I think today's the cutoff to give your public comment. But uh, the governor did sign our House, our General Assembly maps for House and Senate state seats, but they're in court right now. So they have okay. two challengers um, and until a judge actually rules on them, nothing's really final, final. So mm. that's what I say. As as it stands today, that is the district. <laughs> the word of the day should be tenuous. That's what it should be. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Um, all right, Eric Drew. Good morning to you. So, um, you're a mom of two. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain a healthy work life balance? <laughs> I don't know that anyone maintains a healthy work-life balance, but you right. do the best you can. Um, Surviving on coffee and ramen noodles all right. day. Maybe that's just me. When I first was running, I um, so I work a publishing job. I'm the director, uh, a business director, and I do a lot of that at night. Okay. So the one thing that's nice, the company I work for, we're an international company, and we have writers and artists and distributors all over. So it was nice working at night because I could contact you know China, Japan. Because they're up. They're up, yeah. exactly. So that worked <laughs> out. Um, as I've gotten more involved in politics, it's taken more of my time. COVID has, um, when that hit, I mean, the number of emails as an elected official that, you know, just reading through, understanding the stats, policies, how things were changing, uh, dedicating the CARES dollars, which is the um, CARES Act. CARES Act, and now the ARPA dollars, which is the American Relief uh, Funding Act. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um I, I think know. that's it. Rescue yeah. plan, maybe it's rescue plan. I think that's it. Yeah, American Rescue <laughs> American Plan Act. Yeah, that's right. And um, you know, so things like that started to take more and more of my time. Uh, so I am in the process of getting ready to post my own job online to okay. uh, find my replacement, so I can walk away from um, the publishing world. Um, but I have, you know, I work more during the day as a politician, which my kids are in school now, so it's actually a little bit better managing mm -hmm. that. When they were younger, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom. I mean, I sold scrapbooking supplies on the weekends, and I really put my energy into raising my children. I think that that's one of the things we saw come out of the 80s uh, politics is that the change in the uh, economics and the, how much we paid uh, people for a working day it went from a single family, a single parent working to both parents working. And parents weren't home taking care of their kids, teaching them the values. And then we were hiring other people to do it, whether it was schools, daycare, um, nannies. Hmm. And so I grew up in a generation where, um, you know, there was a couple of people who had stay-at-home parents still, but a lot of working families had to work. And so other people were raising us. And I think we hear those frustrations today, um, you know, having daycare be paid for. I mean, this is one of the things that uh, they're talking about in Congress right now is whether to pay for universal pre-K and daycare and more dollars for child tax credits. Interesting. But back in the 70s, you had one person work. You had a breadwinner and then you had someone at home 
as the homemaker right. raising the children. And that's not, not necessarily on gender lines. I mean, now a woman that could was, go to work and a guy could stay home. Yeah, but yeah. We, are, we don't pay a living wage the way that we used to in the 50s. And part of that is because we used to tax the rich. Um, and people paid their fair share of taxes. And now, primarily, our taxes are paid for by our middle class. And that upsets the middle class. Mm -hmm. um, it pits us against the working class who maybe need subsidies to move up into the middle class. And at the end of the day, it rewards the upper class. I mean, I don't mean just like someone who makes $400,000. I mean like the uber upper class, right? The Elon Musk and the Jeff Bezos of the world. The people going to space. Yes. On their own rockets. Right. Ah. Well, and that's another thing that our top dollars, when we used to think of taxes, we thought of services in this country. How much, you know, I spent in taxes provided services, not just right. like roads and libraries, but things like NASA, mm -hmm. right? Our government was sending people to space. Right. Now it's private private citizens, not even as in companies, right. are sending people to space. So where are our dollars going if not to serve the people? There are those that, well, actually, we'll come to that later. Um, is Aurora ready is it ripe for um infrastructure for clean and renewable energies so there's a couple ways to look at that one of them is the consumer side of just electric cars right if right. i have electric car now if i buy a tesla i can drive 250 miles but what if i'm getting something um you know like one of these newer cars that maybe don't go as far like a mustang right, right. that ford is working on uh, moving towards electric vehicles. Now they are also pushing towards having more charging stations, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of their infrastructure. And that is what Tesla did, is they put charging stations in with their cars. So that's an area that we need to go. In the CJ bill, there is money for charging stations. Right. There is incentives for um, different electric cars. So that doesn't guarantee that Aurora's gonna get it. Sure. This is where your local politicians have to get involved. Thanks same, for planting that flag. Yes, right. same with the infrastructure bill. If Congress ever passes it, right. it has dollars in there for uh, renewable energy and uh, electric vehicles and stuff. So what does that mean? That means your local representatives need to go after those dollars. So if you are, it's the state dollars, then your city needs to be applying for those grants. It mm -hmm. needs to be, uh, you know, asking that those dollars to come back to your area. If it's uh, congressional money, that is where your Senate and your, you know, House um, General Assembly seats can help you because they can sit down with your Congress people and say with your county board members can sit down and say, we need dollars right here, right now. Um, you know, in Joliet, we have Route uh, I-88 and I-55, which 3.65% of our entire GDP goes through Will County in those intersections. What, hold on, what was that number again? 3.65% of our GDP goes through Will County. So if Will County shuts down, let's say we shut down for a month, everybody's commerce shuts down. It's gonna right? be looking like that meme with the ship <laughs> in Egypt, y'all. It's gonna be the it's gonna be the Suez Canal. Yeah. Like damn. So when it comes to infrastructure dollars, you know, we have a little leverage in Will County to go after those dollars. But we don't want to just put concrete down, right? We want to start moving this towards uh, electric grid, maybe high speed rail. And Aurora is definitely prepped for that, right? You guys have 
trains that take you in and out of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So why are we not making those, uh, you know, some type of high-speed uh, electric rails, um, moving cars definitely to electric cars, and incentivizing people when they buy their next car that it be an electric car, and that instead of going to the gas pump, you are filling up, um, uh, you know, you're plugging your car in at night. So the other aspect of that right now is PACE. So PACE has their public hearing on their budget right now. They'll, right. You can speak, I think, on the 29th of this month uh, to PACE's budget. And they are in the process, they have a 2040 plan to move to uh, zero carbon um, emissions. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, they're transitioning to compressed natural gas. So that still ultimately puts out CO2, but why is that better? So in Will County, we're currently building an energy plant off of our landfill. So we put trash in, the trash breaks down, creates methane gas. Currently that methane gas is burnt off, goes back into the environment or seeps out. That's not good. We burn it off and create energy, which we do sell that. But instead we can capture that gas and convert it to compressed natural gas and use it for transportation. So now you are burning that gas in a way that is um, a lot cleaner and it's not going directly into the environment. And this can serve as a stepping stone between getting cars moved over. But then long term, how I see this is we're not going to stop producing trash. So we have to deal with that methane gas somehow. Um, same with uh, manure and other uh, livestock and stuff put off methane gas so we can put that in landfills use that compressed natural gas not for transportation in the, in the far future but for heating people's homes so you have a lot of people who um, are not going to spend ten to twenty thousand dollars to move over to electric um, heating devices right they've got gas powered steam hot water so this is a way that we could in the you know, interim time, heat people's homes, break down our trash, keep that methane from going into the air. So these are policies and ideas that, you know, incentivize, uh, you know, building that plant's a billion dollar plant. So mm -hmm. that's jobs. And then we're moving um, towards renewable energy. And in the long run, as we build new houses and retrofit homes, yes, we'll move them to an energy sector such as uh, renewable solar, winds, um, hydropower is another thing to help stabilize our grid in, in the future. So yes, the time to do all of that. <laughs> <laughs> the time is 8.32 a.m. You are listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. We have candidate for the 43rd Senate District, Rachel Ventura, here with us. Monica, would you be so kind as to take us to a commercial and give us some of the local headlines? course. Tomorrow, the senior listening tour rolls on to its next stop, proudly sponsored by the City of Aurora Senior and Disability Service Services Division. The tour will be at Fire Station 8, 3770 McCoy Drive in the Conference Room. Ward 10 Alderwoman uh, Shwita Bade will be this evening's host. Face masks are required for attendance. Tomorrow, the 27th, will be the ribbon cutting for the opening of Loaves and Fishes, New Food Distribution Center, Healthy Food, Impactful Programs for Self-Sufficiency. That's what Loaves and Fishes is all about. The ribbon cutting will be at 3 p.m. and activities for the day will go until 6 p.m. Located at 580 Exchange Court in Naperville. We'll be providing the um, link for you all to learn more about Loaves and Fishes and see what you can all do there.
Tuesday, November 2nd, the Rotary Club of Aurora will host a blood drive from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. This will take place in the Holiday Inn Express and Suites Mobile Coach um, 111 North Broadway next to the Aurora Transportation Center. Walk-ins are welcome, but making an appointment is always recommended. Every donor will save up to three lives. A mask and ID are required. For more information and to schedule a time, we'll be sharing that link with you all. Thank you very much. Monica, much appreciated. Okay. So, we talked about the scandal of Comet. <laughs> we, <t> <laughs> we talked about Dresden. Um, tell me about Catch Fire. Oh, Catch Fire. They are a progressive group um, that are grass, they raise money through grassroots and uh, they back candidates who believe in some of the things, things I believe in. Um, making sure that we are having policies that protect people and planet, right. uh, that don't necessarily put profit first. And I want to say that I'm not anti-profit, but if your profit is exploiting people or stealing wages or uh, people's lives and not actually you know, giving them a good shot at life, then to me, then that's, that's not profit. We can <laughs> clap for that. We can clap for that. Yeah, nobody said, right. Let's plant that flag right now. Right. So, you know, look, there are people who make fortunes. Oprah, right? Didn't have to walk on anybody to make that fortune. Come okay. on now. So. Oprah! <laughs> One of these days. Oprah, come on now. <laughs> Buy these downer plates, Oprah. Come on, girl. <laughs> uh, you know, but if Amazon could easily pay a living wage, easily, and they choose not to. So right. to me, that's just exploitation. And that is sad. Yes. I hate that. I mean, it's it's those Amazon, and I don't mean, I'm sorry, no, but no, that's right. a perfect, perfect example. Yep. People could be making so much money there, mm -hmm. doing so much better, and have conditions that are way better than what they are, and that's a damn shame. This guy's going to space. So, and that's a, you know, this is the wave of the future, especially after COVID, that we click a button and we get our stuff, right? right? I mean, we're not quite all the way to Star Trek where I can just click a button and it like... We're going to get there someday, right? right? Dress me right now. <laughs> Bing! Yeah. But um, if that is where the jobs are at, then we need to make sure that those jobs are providing living wage jobs Certainly. as well. So, uh, especially since they're literally back-breaking work. Right. Um, and so, Catch Fire. So, they are supporting candidates across the United States, everything from Congress to state houses, so that they can, um, you know, have a government run by the people, a voice for the people, and not just one of special interests or corporations. Tell me about Blue America. Blue America is very similar. Um, now, historically, that they've mostly supported congressional candidates. They had supported me in my last race. But they recognize the importance of roles like this because it's hard to run for Congress. And when Congress makes such you know, sweeping legislation that affects people's lives, it's important to have representation in those seats. But it's very difficult, and I learned this firsthand, to run against someone who's got millions of dollars, you know, name recognition, uh, you know, they can, pay for advertising in the newspaper who right. may may or may not want to go against an endorsing that candidate who's spending millions of dollars in their and, advertising so and that's the sad commentary isn't it yes isn't it our media is just as complicit as everything else right especially as we see media coverage go to um clickbait let's just call it what it is if my headline has to be catchy enough for you to look at it for five seconds and then you know scroll through and I have to hit nine ads before I finish the article what are we selling 
right? I mean, there's once a time that public funded television like uh, PBS and stuff like that was important. And part of that was to make sure that we had an unbiased uh, news source, right? Getting the information to the people. So it's no different. I mean, you guys know you have to sell advertising, right? To keep your podcast going. Mm-hmm. What if there was public money available for our news media to go after and sustain themselves instead of having to sell advertising? How different would our news sources be? You know, here's the thing. I think they would be different, but I do feel that sadly there still could be the potential because it does come down to humans actually behind us and their biases. Mm-hmm. Like the Naperville Sun story that we debuted uh, this week, actually. You know, in the Naperville Sun, I have the headline right here, as a matter of fact. This was a perfect example of media, and it it goes just to what you are talking about. Ah, the Naperville Sun put that Naperville schools make U.S. News and World Report lists of best elementary and middle schools. World News Topics is the Naperville student sentenced after posting an ad offering his black classmate as a slave on Craigslist. Right, now, right, that I was, remember that. <laughs> that was in the way back bottom page 38 low... So I, you are right. There would be it'd be great if there were public monies available to help get the word out in a non-biased fashion. However, I still believe that without good people there, right, to at the end of the day make sure that everything gets lifted up, we could still be back in the same situation. It is it is a problem. It's a pervasive problem. So some of these endorsing groups that are, you know, pulling together individuals, Mm -hmm. not corporations, not a special interest, but individuals, people like you, me, your neighbors, uh, to pool the money to support candidates. Right. Um, And the reason is, you know, initially they were going after more congressional races because they're hard to get into, but what they're recognizing is if you don't have good candidates who are working their way up the ladder to then run for those seats, it's almost impossible, right, to just wake up one day and say, I'm going to run for Congress. And so these lower seats now become just as important. Um, And in the meantime, what I recognize and why I think that running for the Senate is important is that even if we pass the Green New Deal tomorrow through Congress, Congress, it is your local representatives who are going to implement it. They're the ones who are going to go ask for those dollars and then use those dollars in a meaningful fashion. The power of voting, y'all. Come on now. You're not just voting for no president. Yes, that's right. And we, I think we saw that most with the CARES and the ARPA funding right now, when people are like, well, how is it being spent? Congress had a clear blueprint of how they want those dollars spent, but unless your local representatives put the dollars in those things, it doesn't happen. So one of the things I'd love to see in the state is public broadband option. Not free, this is something you would pay for internet, but it would be like the, posts, uh, the post office, right? You can go to FedEx, you can go to UPS, or you can go to the, the post office. The post office, we all know if you have to ship a box, it's about this big. Mm-hmm. It costs, you know, $12 at the post office. It costs $30 at one of these others. Um, but that's the competition between government and private entity. Why do we not have that with our internet? Especially when Comcast and AT&T are making gentleman agreements, like I'm not going to cross 
you know, Route 30, our, our district will be here, your district will be there. Technically, they're not a monopoly, so that you can't go after them for that, but you know they can control pricing then. Right. And if you put a third entity in there, a public option, Illinois' public broadband, then you're going to see competition. AT&T and Comcast are going to be everywhere. They're going to be trying to provide better services, and ultimately it will decrease pay, right? Because the person who can provide those services um, at a lower price will get you know the the business mm -hmm. and so this is the power that public can give it, it creates actual competition free market but it also provides good internet services for you at a low price and with the infrastructure bill coming down um, the ARPA money now there is money earmarked for broadband but it's the choices of your politicians whether they want to build a road drop a sewer or provide public broadband for you what I so you have canvassed. I've seen you canvassing with your team. Uh, I've seen you boots on the ground, as they say. In your experiences, going door to door, knocking on doors, and meeting folks, and you know, being out there, um, are people knowledgeable of that? Does the average citizen understand their place and the ability that they can, the, um, the ability that they have to? Get involved and make change, or do you meet a lot of novices? What's what's the what's the temperature of the? It's of a the big areas? bell curve. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you have people on the one extreme who maybe have run for office themselves, or they're a, a precinct committee captain, and they are more involved in how our civics run. Um, and then you have people who are like, I don't vote. My voice voice doesn't matter. You know, and there's more of those people ultimately than there are registered voters today. And so when they, are there? it's really? yeah. <laughs> people who don't vote, um, there is a huge amount of people who are registered who don't vote. Right, right. Um, the other aspect of that is, you know, aging um, population. So our elderly citizens are more inclined to vote. I think everybody knows this. Mm -hmm. But what people may not know is that the youth from the age 18 to 25 right now have double the population. So if they just, even if half of them voted, they could outnumber our biggest voting block, which is right. our elderly right now. Right. If all of them voted, they literally have the power to change the world. I got the power! <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Yeah, they do. But they have to make that decision. So then you get everything in between. You get people who are engaged in like their local stuff, like my road, I had a pothole, I had to go talk to my mayor, my alderman, and they get to know that aspect of it. You have people who are more engaged in county, um, especially if it comes to like zoning laws and stuff like that. So it, it all depends on where your life has taken you. If you're a school teacher, you're probably pre pretty familiar with school board and, right. and that entity. So each of these play a different role. Um, and what I ultimately learned was the best civics class I ever took was running for office. Because you get to learn how it all intertwines um, the power of the parties, the, the precinct committee captors are, are elected uh, representations for our party. Um, that's different than a government elected official. And so you learn all this when you have to start working with all of these different levels of government and you know politics and say, how does this all fit together? And at the end of the day, it really is about organizing people and turning them out. If I can excite you to turn out um, whether the information is true or not, if you are motivated to show up to the polls, you will. And I think we saw with Facebook right now, they're in hot water because if the misinformation is the thing that's driving you to the polls, there is not a lot of hope for good policy that, that's being made. And see, that's, it, that's a perfect example of what we are just talking about. They got people there working, texting each other. 
upset and the organization the thing just continues on with the, so, with the dribble yeah so i think by and large most people their intent is to have a functioning community and society they want to make sure that their family that working hard um produces freedom to spend their dollars how you want spend your time how you want invest in your family your community that at the end of the day is what pulls us all together i think everybody can agree with those things the difference is how do we get there, right? If you think that something online, you know, that may be false is the cause of your misery and that's what's turning out to the poll, then you might be even supporting policies that go against your best interests. They get all the time. It happens all the time. So the key to that is education. It's knowing what is really going on, knowing how these policies affect you, how where our tax dollars are being spent, who's spending them, who's getting them. You know, this is an area, and there's so much information, even as an elected official who I spend, you know, all day long reading this information. Uh, you know, you asked about balance earlier on in my life. You know, I'll come home at work or at dinner, my kids and I are talking about politics, like they're so sick of mm -hmm. it, you know. Uh, you know, it bleeds everywhere into my life. But even with that, there's things I don't know, right? There's things that, that go right by me. There is a, so much information that uh, it's like you start with a little trickle and then next thing you know, it's a waterfall. So you have to pick and choose. You have to prioritize and that's totally fine. But the more involved and engaged you are, the more educated you are, the more likelihood you are to elect good candidates and uh, support good policies. What does America mean to you? Well, I used to think it was a land of opportunity, <laughs> but as of late, it seems more like there's a power struggle of the gatekeepers, those who have always had power, money, um, resources, education, and everyone else. Um, and there's this great book I read, it's called New Power, and it talks about the transfer of old power to new. So old power being that gatekeeping, we have you know the resources, money, and education, and we will decide who gets that. Right, the good old boys club is also another way to look at it. Sure. Versus new power is things like WebMD, Kickstarter, Facebook. You have the ability to go um, get this information yourself. You have the ability to raise money yourself. You don't have to go kiss the ring of Madigan, right? You right. can go get grassroots funded dollars now and run for office yourself uh, without the support of maybe these old school um, technologies, but or power struggles, but. Where's the breakdown in that? Because new power might sound good, but ISIS is also new power. And if I needed brain surgery, I would not want to go to someone who kickstarted their equipment and learned it on YouTube. Right. right? There is no an, offense. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But there is a need to respect experts. Okay. And we've lost some of that in America. I think we lost a lot. Yes. Yeah. And but again, it comes to education. You have to be able to be an advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Go on WebMD. Look at your own health. But when you go into a, a doctor you trust, don't go in there and be like, well, WebMD says this, so your degree must be nothing. Yeah. No, yeah. you have to balance that. Be an advocate for yourself, but then respect what they're bringing to the table because that's what they went to school for, yeah. right? Don't like, tell your orthodontist. <laughs> I did my own research. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's totally fine to be like, hey, I did my research. I'm, I have questions about this. Can sure. you tell me more about this? But then respect the experts, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're seeing that with COVID right now. Respect the experts. They're not always going to get it right. This is a novel virus. We are learning as we're going. But the people who have spent their whole life studying it, that's what we should be respecting. So coming back to the question, what do I see America as? I see it as a power struggle right now between new and old power, finding that balance of empowering people 
and having the land of opportunity be there for them. And I don't know if we're going to get there in my lifetime, but I sure hope so, um, because I think that will be the difference between us having a sustainable planet and having people that we enjoy and have a compassionate working society versus one of like, I don't know, Waterworld. I guess that's kind of date. Mad Max is the better huh. <laughs> thing of movies. Terminator 2. <laughs> right, right, where we're just fighting over resources. We're fighting each other. There's no compassion. There's, you know, I'll get mine before you get yours. Or it's a matter of survival. And I don't want to see a world like that for my kids. Uh, how's the campaign going? It's going good. Okay. So this is an open seat. I don't have a Democratic challenger at the moment. I hope that continues. We are working hard, raising money, knocking doors, phone banking. Um, the one good thing about this race is that we have extra time. They pushed the primaries back to June 28, 20, 2022. So right now, we would have been gathering signatures, filing them around Thanksgiving, and then having an election in March. All of that has moved back. We will start collecting signatures in January, we will file in March, and then your election will be in, on June 28th. So things are going well. It's given us extra time to talk to voters, to listen to voters, right? I mean, that's one of the things right now we're walking doors. Typically, you walk doors and you're persuading people, right? I'm the best candidate because of X. Right now, I have the luxury to walk doors and say, what do you care about? What is it that is gonna um, impact your family? And then we can look at policies and research and even push our elected officials today to start moving towards those policies that help people. And this is really about representing. I cannot represent you if I don't know what you want, what you care about. Right. And so being able to listen to people at the doors, it's been uh, a huge blessing. Um, in retrospect, was the casino in Joliet a detriment to the city or was it a... Uh Ooh. A boon, which is not the word of the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> what was the word? Skepticism? Is that the word? <laughs> Cynical is Cynical. the word. <laughs> Cynical. Very so, good, Rachel Ventura. So, I will tell Shark you that I think ultimately gambling is a tax on the poor. I think that it, it can be very predatorial, but I also like to play craps. So, um, you know, I think there's a certain amount of entertainment that can be provided, um, especially right now, sports betting. I think I read that we are the second um, second highest state for bringing in money for sports betting. Mm -hmm. I think New Jersey um, might have been the, the first on that. So there is a way to bring dollars in to this state um, and provide for services. Casino money, uh, well right now the casinos both in Aurora and in Joliet are hurting because of online video gambling as well as uh, slot machines and stuff like that. Right. They open that up and that has a different tax revenue. Um, they don't tax those as much as the casinos. And so we're actually bringing less tax dollars into our state and that used to be earmarked for education and I don't think all of that money is earmarked anymore for education. So. Ideally, in the beginning when they brought them in, look, those dollars did provide jobs. They beautified our town. Um, but over time, the revenues have decreased. We haven't replaced those revenues, and things have become deteriorated. You do end up having more social issues. People who have voted away, or not voted, I'm sorry, gambled away their everything, right? And now you need to provide services for those entities. So I would love to see uh, a study that shows do we provide more services overall that for um, the greater good when we bring in gambling dollars, or do we end up just 
perpetuating those dollars back into services for the poor that keep them poor. Because at the end of the day, I truly believe that people don't stay in the welfare system um, because they want to, because they don't want to work or something, right? Sure, you're always going to find somebody who's going to game the system. And that's true on the rich and the poor, right? Both ends of that aisle. But what ends up happening is if I don't see a pathway forward, if that is my only pathway, is to hope that I win the lottery one day, or I have to sell drugs, or I have to you know, crime of necessities, I have to break into a store to get money or food for my family, then I don't see a way out, right? right? And so I stay on maybe those government entities. Um, so why not go gamble? Right. So if you can empower people to see a different path forward, to be able to get the job, so apply for a job that pays, you know, more than $25 an hour, right? I mean, that's really where we're at in our economy, what you need to be able to, to afford a home. And so if you know you can do those things, then you're more likely to go that route. Why? Because of freedom. You have the freedom to buy what food you want, right? Snap tells you what foods you can buy. So if I can make more money, I can choose what I want. I can choose where I live, right? So you vote at the ballot box, but you vote with your dollar every day. And that's freedom. And I think people consider, um, oh, you know, all these people who don't work and get, you know, government checks. No, they don't have freedom. They are a slave to that system. So um, I am a progressive Democrat, and I look at the difference between being a progressive Democrat and a regular Democrat is, you know, there's nothing wrong with the liberals who care about, you know, poor people and want to help them. But the difference is trying to move them off of those subsidies. So as a progressive, I want to empower people to get out of that lifestyle, move into the middle class, and be able to have that freedom to vote with their dollar and to be informed and have the time to be engaged in their political system so that they can vote for the politicians. Oh, damn. Okay. That's right, yes. Wow, that was well said. Well said. Mm. Uh, the time is 8.55. A.M. Uh, Tracy tells us, I worked at the one in Aurora. I used to see people lose so much. It was heartbreaking. Always told friends to bring along what you are willing to lose. Once you are ahead, then stop. Uh, that's about gambling. I agree. I mean, if I go in for $100 and I say, I would spend $100 at movie and dinner, right? It's been mm -hmm. two, three hours doing that. Then if I take $100 to the casino and that's it, and I entertain myself for that and then go home, I don't see anything wrong with that. Right. The issue is, though, that it's not that simple, right? There are a lot of people who get that high, who feel that uh, that push, or they need the money, or one more time, and you know, it's just like anything. Everything in moderation. Balance is good. You have everything in moderation. If you do a little too much of anything, it's not good for you. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend. He uh, he used to gamble like seriously, and it was it got to, it was so depressing to hang out with him like the next day, kind of down the dumps, because like. The amounts was just, man, I was up to 3800 3800 Boy, I would have... Walked out, right? <laughs> would have been gone. Um, but, but yeah, it is. And, but to the point, and we're not, make, you know, we're not making light of it, it is an issue. It is an addiction. It is a problem. And people should be empowered to do better and have better opportunities, certainly. When I talked about, I'd love to see a study on you know, where those dollars end up going, one of the things I'd like to see different with our policies is outcome-based. 
So right now, a lot of our systems are need-based. We have a need for a homeless shelter, right? Mm -hmm. And so then we do that. But then if, you're, if you always try to keep people in those beds to show that you have a need for funding, now you have maybe a homeless shelter that is not really empowering people to get out of those beds right, right. permanently, right? Mm -hmm. um, because they, their funding de depends on that need. Right. So again, that I gotta keeps have 800 poor people, people here poor. to get that money. Right. So no matter what. Right. So instead, if we moved, it's okay for the initial ask to be need based, but ultimately, if you move to outcome based, right, and you say, well, we had 800 people, but 600 of them now are in permanent housing, right? Good. I'm going to give that company more or that, that nonprofit yep. more dollars. Keep it up. Yeah. Because now those people who are in permanent housing probably have a permanent job or you know some type of income that pays for that housing and so now, now they're putting money back into our society which means every dollar you spend there are taxes associated with that and those tax dollars then are services back for other people versus if it's just need-based you're just continuing to put money it's like burning money, right? And not to say you're not helping those people, but if they come right back and it's that revolving door, and we see this with our criminal system too, then that ultimately is not a working system. And okay. why do we continue to spend our tax dollars on that? We need outcome-based stuff. We need things that are actually working, actually empowering people to be uh, living the lives they want to live. The time is 8.59. Dang. Oh, my goodness. Where does the time go? Voter education. This was a good chop up. Oh, you got to come back on for a part two. This was a good conversation. We are no longer a melting pot. We are a salad. That's according to Casoto Casey Cuevas. He also says voter education. Yes, that is very, very important. Uh, Maria Torito, good morning. Um, so last question before we go. Very, very, very last question. I don't want to jinx, but... You win, you're the senator, 43rd district. What are you gonna do on day one? <laughs> um, well, I'm gonna get the lay of the land uh, and see what policies can be pushed uh, that really help people. Public broadband will be one of them because everybody, I don't care what color you are, what sex you are, what party you are, we all need and want good internet low price word up so I think that's the first thing but look you got to make friends as a politician you can't that was the one thing I learned at the county board is I came in like a, a bowl in a china shop yeah. we're gonna change this up right we're gonna get rid of the corruption <laughs> we're gonna break down walls and it was like running my head into a brick wall every day right. <laughs> so I learned that um, you know you've got to go at it you've got to find people's needs and bring those people together that is how you build a coalition and organize people to get things done and that's what we're gonna have to do down in Springfield we got to do it at every level of government we appreciate all of you wonderful people for tuning in the time is now 9 o'clock a.m. this was a great conversation Jasmina, good morning to you. Rachel for president. Dora Sanchez Soto, damn, they tuning in. What in the world? Good morning, Bianca Camargo, all these great people. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having on me on. Coming to the show. This is a great, great interview with you. All of you guys, uh, I think the thing to do today is to be mindful, pay it forward, and uh, voter education is definitely key. Have a blessed and powerful Tuesday. Take care of yourself and each other.